Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda. All right, in the bullpen today, my big homie, Ben Jealous will be with us, author of Never Forget Our People Were Always Free, former national NAACP president and scholar lecturer. Should be a fascinating bullpen. And breaking down news of the day, my dear brother, Rick Strom will bring us all of his amazing analytical abilities as he always does. All right, top story of the day, I told you this was going to happen. Now it is illegal in the state of Florida to teach African American studies. Yes, it's against the law. Well, that's according to the administration of this fella, Governor Ron DeSatan out of Florida. Let me give you the background, so the governor, has rejected a new AP course, that stands for advanced placement, in African American studies from being taught in high schools. High schools is his latest action to keep woke conversations and lessons out of school. So let's dig into this. The sentence officially a banned, if you remember, the course in a letter, the state from the state education department to the college board. The organization that administers college readiness exams like the SAT. They also oversee advanced placement courses, AP, which allow students to earn college credits in subjects like English and chemistry. In a January 12th letter to the college board, the Florida Education Department said the course is inexplicably contrary to Florida law and significantly lacks educational value. I need you to think about this statement. Think about this statement. They're saying, well, one, if you teach African American studies, it is contrary to Florida law. And it actually lacks educational value. Please understand, they have courses that literally teach you how to basket weave. And that is allowable under the elective category of the educational system. But you cannot teach a course called African American Studies. So it is a double whammy. It is against the law statutorily. And their opinion, their personal opinion is it lacks the educational credibility it should have. Now, you do realize that if it's already against the law, they do not need to present their opinion as to the educational prowess of the program. They decided to insert that, why? Because they couldn't help themselves. Why is it against the law? Well, remember, all of these bills that permeated from the so-called anti-critical race theory bills were aimed to do one thing, to distort the history of this country to eliminate the reality of bias, prejudice and racism by white men in particular, racist white men in this country to present a false narrative because they know that the children in those schools are the future leaders of this country. They also know that the leaders of the country, the future leaders of the country, We'll be able to solve the problems that they left, which if that happens, 
it becomes an indictment on their own legacy, their own tradition, and their own leadership. They're not protecting children, ladies and gentlemen. They're protecting their own asses by manipulating curriculum intentionally. Think about this, they lie and tell you we're banning critical race theory. And in the bill itself, the terminology critical race theory doesn't even exist. They never banned it, I would have been okay with them banning critical race theory because it's not taught in K through 12 education. That would have been fine with me, but they didn't do that. What they banned, what they banned was an instructor's ability, a teacher's ability to simply teach the truth to the curriculum. When you go to school, I've been a teacher for many years. You don't go there just to learn an academic education. You go there to learn a social education as well. There has to be a sense of morality contextualized in the curriculum in order for education to be effective. Who cares how much you know if nobody likes who you are? You have to teach social dynamics with the curriculum. In the summer of 2022, the college board announced a pilot program to offer high school students an evidence-based introduction to African American studies. Would be launching in 60 high schools across the country during the 2022-2023 school year. And will be set to expand to other campuses the following year. In response to Florida's move, the college board told the Daily Beast that, and I quote, we look forward to publicly releasing the updated course framework as soon as it is completed. And well before this class is widely available in American high schools. Understand what they're saying. The framework is not complete, but their rejection is, there's more. In a separate, in a separate statement, the college board said, like all new AP courses, AP African American Studies is undergoing a rigorous multi-year pilot phase, collecting feedback from teachers, students, scholars, and policymakers. The process of piloting and revisiting or revising, excuse me, course frameworks is a standard part of any AP course. And frameworks often change significantly as a result. DeSantis plays an active role in this process in stoking social and political anxieties, primarily among white Americans. That stem from conversations about race and gender that occur in K through 12 public school campuses or on those campuses. In April 2022, he signed the Stop Woke Act, which severely limits race-based discussions at schools. Wow, limiting race-based discussions at school. All right, my dear brother, thoughts here. All right, so first off, uh, thank you for having me. The second is, um, if we are following the history of this individual, then it will clearly state his intentions at every single turn in his governorship within the state. He sought to put migrants at Martha's Vineyard, which you know was a waste of money, but for him was a gain because he gave that money to a billionaire GOP donor. He accepted over $20,000 from a man who racially abused Barack Obama. He spoke four times at a conference held by conservatives who said black folks owe their freedom to white people. And the only race war is against white people. His first day of pride, he passed anti-legislation 
anti-trans legislation, legislation, excuse me, because he's just that kind of diabolical individual. He is a stooge for the Koch brothers. He was a stooge for the late Sheldon Adelson, who also aligned with this. The main point that I hit on previously on the watch list, and I'm glad Dr. Ritchie hit on it, was that this isn't necessarily about, obviously it's about limiting the knowledge, but how I see this, in the summer of 2020, when the protests were coming about, black voices came to the forefront. And what we saw was not a complete, but a somewhat paradigm shift within white America to reflect. That's and right. basically what Ron DeSantis and many like him are doing now is saying, stop reflecting. We are, you know, I don't I don't like using white supremacy a lot, but we are the master race. We need to stop having these discussions. This is a very all lives matter way of putting it, which also was founded by a white supremacist group as well. So how I see this, he is aligning himself to be the front runner. Who knows if he's gonna take on Donald Trump or tuck his tail and just sit it out till 2028 TBD. But how I see this is, as Dr. Ritchie said, it is about, for lack of a better word, Grooming the next generation of white conservatives so they don't have to have this in their mentality going towards life and then carrying out everything that he is doing from here on out. Very well said. Scripture says my people die because of a lack of knowledge. All right, a man, one black man. Pulled over more than 70 times in one jurisdiction. I kid you not, this is just insanity. Let's put up the picture of this black male in Massachusetts. He is now suing the local police department, the Worcester Police Department for racial profiling. After allegedly being pulled over more than 70 times in the past eight years. TJ Judy says he has been suspected of stealing cars. He has been suspected of selling drugs before even being apprehended with a warrant. The report says he was pulled over in 2021 for not updating his new car color on his registration. I need you to understand how petty that is. He got his car painted, okay? He did not inform registration that his car was painted. So they went ahead and, you know, threw the book at him. There's more. Um, however, by law, by law, he wasn't required to. But instead, Judah was charged with disorderly conduct and interfering with a police officer after an intense exchange. They're wrong on the law. He knows they're wrong on the law. There's an argument. Well, let's lock him up for arguing with us. How dare he? I feel like every single time, he says, even if I'm not driving and I make eye contact or an officer sees my dreads or sees I'm black, they're going to come after me. I just know whenever they're coming now, I just have my phone ready to record, he told GBH. Keep in mind, that's part of the reason for this kind of massive intimidation. The man is saying he's afraid to look them in the eye. Remember, there was a time. You could not look a white man in the eye. And whoa, if you look at a white woman at all. You see, this is the permeation of that. Once again, contextualized 
in Massachusetts in this jurisdiction. I got more. Uh, Massachusetts has long been suspected of engaging in discriminatory activity against black and brown people. Uh, just last year, the Department of Justice launched an investigation into claims of excessive force and racially biased policing. A statewide study from the Massachusetts Executive Office of Public Safety and Security found no evidence to suggest black drivers are more likely to get pulled over. The bulk of their methodology came from a veil of darkness analysis, which concluded non-white drivers were less likely to be stopped by police. But during the day when an officer could determine their race. The previous studies that found black drivers were in fact more likely to be stopped or have their vehicle search were practically disregarded. According to GBH, the city of Worcester paid up to $5 million to settle lawsuits alleging false arrest and excessive force since 2006. Okay, that should defund the police right there. <laughs> you see, police don't mind when the police defund each other. Uh, typically, conservatives are not concerned when the police are defunding the police. But when there's a rally, press conference, I don't know, maybe even a social media post that says hashtag defund the police, all of a sudden, conservatives go wild. You see, defunding the police doesn't mean to eliminate the policing budget. It simply means to reprioritize it, to actually fight real crime. Do you think pulling over people in this manner, creating lawsuits after lawsuits, do you really think that's giving you a win in that local community? There's more. Um, the chief, let's put him up, buck stops with him. Uh, the chief is Stephen M. Sargent, runs the Worcester Police Department. Department spokesperson said that per policy, the, the department does not comment on pending litigation. Here's the problem with that comment uh, to the Worcester Police Department. The inquiry is general. Generally, do you all pull over more black people than anybody else? That's not a specific uh, relation to a particular case. We're talking about statistical data that should be readily available to all citizens without the hand in glove relationship you have with the state. All right, Rick, thoughts? Sure, so um, first off, uh, I agree with you about um, defunding, but we need to be very clear about this. And I've said this on plenty of videos when I've covered the intersection of sports and politics at TYT Sports. Um, it's that if we were to have these settlements, it should come out of the police departments. And it should come out of the That's policemen right. or policewoman's pay. It should not come from us. Because when someone sues, which I think they're totally entitled to when there's false imprisonment, you know, wrongfully detained, blah, blah, blah. It should not come from the taxpayers, because then I think like, oh, well, how much are we gonna have to pay for this? When really it should be rerouted to the unions who have endless power, political control, placing certain people in different positions where they will remain immune. Qualified immunity is another thing that should be completely disbanded. But when you're going over the statistics of this case, this is an egregious example. But the problem is there are many egregious examples in this country 
of people who are not white getting pulled over. I'm glad that you brought up the investigation about the thin veil of darkness, five to 10% drop at night. The statistics prove it. Also on top of this, there was a University of Stanford study that showed over 60%, I believe it was 63 to 66% of black drivers were treated differently verbally as opposed to white drivers. So they were mistreated physically, 61%. They were mistreated physically, they were mistreated verbally. And I see all these examples of, and I know some folks hate saying this, but white privilege. Let me tell you something, I drove, this is wrong. I drove in California when I was first out here, my first stint without a California's driver's license for like three years. Why? Because I like weirdly felt like it would be the most minor thing. That is minor in the grand scheme of things. So there are many different things. One of them that I found is a person named Brima Fofana, who in 2012 was falsely arrested by this same police department, suspected of drug transactions, dragged from his car, no drugs were present, claimed he tried to run, they claim he tried to run over a police officer. The lawyers got surveillance footage from a neighboring building. And of course, nothing ended up happening because he shouldn't have been charged in the first place. Another very important part, and then I'll wrap, is when different media outlets will just, without even looking into it, print a police statement. Yep. You know, in this case, and in the case that we just brought previously, they will falsify because they know, getting back to the root of all of this, if they lie, there is incentive to lie, but if they lie, it's not gonna come out of their pocket. If they're proven wrong, it's gonna come out of your pocket. And that's something that needs to change. You make such a great point about the privilege dynamic. There's a book coming out written by a journalist named Crystal Bowie, who's an investigative journalist. She was in Minnesota during the time of the George Floyd murder. And in this book, I was fortunate to get an advanced copy of it. In this book, she actually highlights how their news station decided to basically run the police report verbatim. Oh my. What allegedly happened to George Floyd, just ran it verbatim. Did not ask any questions, no nuance, no check at all. Naturally, they had to run it back after the video came out. But when pressed about it, when pressed about it, the spokesperson for the police department said, "Oh well, well no, I didn't watch video. I just, I just sent out the press release." Well, who told you the information? Well, the cops told him the information, and we have to check these narratives because yes. there was a time when all law enforcement got a pass. Please understand, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not anti-cop, I'm only anti-bad cop. And you should be anti-bad cop too, because they're taking advantage of the good faith you have in them. They don't deserve it blindly, period, obviously. All right, we got an exclusive right here on Indisputable. We actually covered this when it first happened. Remember the really, really extreme guy who did this? I got you. You got me? Yep. Bald headed. See, nobody can get around you. I got you. I got you. They can't get around you, stupid ass. I got you. I will knock the hell out of you. I got you. 
I got your tag number. You got my tag number? Yep. I'm going to call you the police. My name? Well, what is your name? You got my license. This kid's you. <laughs> I got All right, now we all know Pop should have caught them hands as soon as he walked up like that. But he did not because the man was really, really calm about it. But we got all of the background, we got all of the information, and the guy was actually prosecuted. Let's put up his picture for a mass. You're looking at Mr. David McConnell, 63 years of age, too damn old to be acting in this manner. A delivery driver who parked in the back of a lot to visit a McDonald's was accosted. By a racist man in August. This was in Ackworth, Georgia. The video did go viral. The Cherokee County District Attorney's Office has now charged McConnell with simple assault and disorderly conduct on August 26. Here is McConnell's target. This is Mr. Terrence Williams. That's the guy who he was assaulting, the driver who captured the attack on video. Williamson. Says McConnell <clears throat> followed him into the McDonald's in Ackworth, Georgia. Furious, he had obstructed the back of the parking lot. Parking lot seen here was large and unoccupied with multiple entrances and exits to get around his tractor trailer big rig truck. He says McConnell called him stupid and then followed him out to his truck for more. After Williamson grabbed his food to go. Here is another shot of the parking lot to the south of McDonald's. Once again, what in the hell are you upset about? Seriously. David McConnell was arrested the same day, charged with disturbing the peace of simple assault. He pleaded guilty to disturbing the peace. Here is the Cherokee County Court Clerk's case record we were able to get our hands on. Williamson says he was disappointed. The simple assault was dropped as part of McConnell's plea. He says he felt McConnell pushed up against him while he recorded the racist rant. Here's a quote directly from Mr. Williamson to Indisputable. When I came across the video and I hear part of it, it makes me feel anxious. I, it was a fear of death and like who would believe me? He did go to his car. And with everything going on in this world, I was thinking, is he trying to find a reason to get me to react? So he has a reason to kill me. The way he acted wasn't normal for not liking how I parked. I do watch Richie's show, so I'm glad, I'm just glad I pulled it out my phone. Well, let me say this, we appreciate that you do watch the program. Uh, we are also thankful that you are safe and you recorded it. And I concur with you, the charges should have never been dropped. You have to make examples out of individuals like this within jurisdictions. They don't mind doing this when there's, I don't know, let's say a crip or a blood. They say, make an example out of you. Well, how about making examples out of racist people too, all right? Is, is that something that's not allowed? I don't know. All right, so here is uh, McConnell's penalty. Uh, he has to do anger management classes, <clears throat> 40 hours of community service. He has to pay a $500 Fine, and he was bailed out on a $1,000 bond. All right, Rick, thoughts here. All right, so um, first off, 
Via Atlanta Black Star, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation reports that in 2021, there was about 230 hate crimes reported across the state with the largest percentage of reports coming from the black community, three times greater than Georgia's white community. So this is an ongoing problem, not just of course across the country, not even across the world, but also in Georgia because of what we have seen in years past. You can't get McDonald's, you can't go running in bright Nike clothes, it doesn't really matter. Um, that parking lot, can we put up that photo one more time so I could take a look at it? Because I've been focusing on um, different parts of America and how we have the least walkable cities. Can you show the other photo as well? I mean, you could fit you know, trucks yeah. inside, like literal freight trucks. You could maybe fit an entire train station in that parking lot. Um, I am curious if this were to be somebody else, what the reaction would have been. Mm -hmm. um, I also have to think, you know, if I'm in this situation, I'm a very patient person because of the scare of you never know what somebody's gonna have at any point in time because of lax gun laws in this country. Um, so asking nicely would probably go a long way, but this is an ongoing problem that America knows quite well. Yeah, very well. All right, we at least have the rest of the story. We have been able to expose Mr. McConnell full mass here, because when the story went viral, when the video went viral, his name was not attached. Now it is. All right, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. Let me just say thank you for everyone who continues to opine and give us great feedback. And sometimes extremely thought provoking questions, all right? And I do look them up when I come across them for sure. Okay, let's get it. Interesting, all right, not my circus dragon said. I've said for years that conservatives have been searching for the truth for years, so they can put it under arrest. <laughs> that's, that's so damn true. Damn, that's a hell of a statement. That's exactly what's happening in places like Florida. By design, by the way, not by happenstance. You know, they are playing chess while many Democrats are still playing checkers. Uh, thank you for that, C. Michael. C. Michael Henson says, can't teach African American studies? But Caucasian American studies have been and still is being taught in schools. The KKK is finally unmasked. Lost born 65, thank you for that. Police union should pay the settlements, there you go. Also, you can have the cops pay them out of their own check or, or mandate insurance for all cops like medical doctors and other absolute professionals, right? That's how they get down. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen Wood. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free! Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Close the 
Now, damn it, Karen, that's for emergency use only. <laughs> yes, this was at the airport, sad to say, at the airport in my own city, right here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we got all of the information. Let's put up the picture full mass here. Um, her name is Jennifer. According to Fox 5 Atlanta, the Karen in question is Jennifer K. Holder from Dayton, Ohio. Holder was charged with obstructing law enforcement, two counts of simple assault, and three counts of simple battery. The Atlanta Police Department issued a statement about the arrest. It reads in part, officers attempted to make contact with the female, but she was non-compliant and sprayed officers with the fire extinguisher. Despite being assaulted, officers were able to detain the combative female. And let me add, they did not kill her. Three airport flight attendants were transported to the hospital with respiratory complaints due to exposure to the discharge extinguisher. Officers relocated the arrestee, Ms. Holder, to the precinct where she continued to behave erratically and combative by spitting and kicking at officers. Once again, she's charged with obstructing. But keep in mind, these charges should have been actually much more severe. Not only did she directly spray chemicals at law enforcement, she continued to physically assault and spat upon them in their own precincts. Did she get accosted in some kind of aggressive manner? No, they used appropriate force, appropriate, right? Obviously, they were professionals in the way they dealt with this person because I guarantee you, there are some individuals who would have done all of that. They would have had a whole different experience with the law enforcement agency. Um, let's put it up. I just thought this was, you know, it's an interesting dynamic. What is the goal? And Rick, I'm going to ask you this, and I hope you really don't give it much thought when you answer. <laughs> when a Karen has a thought, right? I'm going to grab the fire extinguisher. I'm always wondering, dear brother, what is the conclusion of that thought? What will this thing do to get mm-hmm. you from point A to your desired point B? Well, I think it would require us having that mentality to answer that <laughs> right. question, which we don't have. Don't have it bad. I mean, immunity from punishment. Um, the ability to criminalize themselves and lack in response any sort of violence. I mean, when you read up on the story, it's interesting. Like she she sprayed folks with the fire extinguisher, including police officers, which is like, oh, it's just the dumbest thing in the world. And she was attempting to open secure doors inside the concourse. And when I dug a little deeper, I saw It was because, I don't know if you saw this doc, she allegedly didn't pay for her order at Buffalo Wild Wings. Yep, she said somebody else paid it. So so the story was uh, somebody else paid this, so I don't have to pay for it. (laughs) That was the story. 
Yeah, and you know what? A lot of people talk at the airport. You cozy up to some people. They buy you a drink. I've never heard of them buying you lemon pepper and honey barbecue wings while you're sitting there. But also, it makes me now want wings. Yeah. <laughs> That's like how know, weird this is. Yeah. I mean, I haven't had B dubs in like years. I don't think I've had it since college when they offered like 15 cent wings on Tuesdays and then 25 cent wings on Thursdays. Um, Spray it with a fire extinguisher. I think I'd still eat it, honestly. But I, in all in all seriousness, I'm hungry. In all seriousness, I guess my question is, doesn't this add to more charges? Because you're spraying someone that could cause respiratory issues. Gee, where have I thought of the heard of this? Oh yeah, the 2020 protests. That's right. When police officers put tear gas on crowds, why weren't they charged with the same things that this woman potentially mm. could be? There you go. There you go. All right. Um, this was really interesting. Donald Trump sues Hillary Clinton for like a bunch of millions. He ends up getting the lawsuit kicked out and the judge ordering Trump to pay Hillary Clinton money. Talk about taking an L. Okay, let me give it to you. Put up Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, full mass. Trump and his attorneys were told by a federal judge Thursday, they were liable for nearly $1 million in sanctions. For a lawsuit brought against Hillary Clinton, ex-top DOJ officials and several others over allegations they all conspired against him in 2016. US District Court Judge Donald Middlebrooks of the Southern District of Florida wrote, and I quote, this case should have never been brought. Its inadequacy as a legal claim was evident from the start. No reasonable lawyer would have filed it. Intended for a political purpose, none of the counts of the amended complaint state a, a cognizable legal claim, nothing. So here's what's interesting about this entire dynamic. If you sue somebody, right? Uh, typically you have to lay out elements of the why. And you lay them out in the form and you send it to the person and then they respond. And then you battle it out either in litigation or sometimes just settlement discussions. Well, when you utilize the federal courts in order to make a political point, typically federal judge are against it, they are not for it. And you can't really get rid of a federal judge. You have to deal with a federal judge, unless a judge is corrupt, then you could possibly get rid of him. But he doesn't have the same political weight as some other judges do. I do find it quite interesting that this attorney, knowing the law, being bar certified, went to law school, now is in danger of having the law license revoked. And then you look at the history of Trump. Trump has literally killed the profession of lawyers. <laughs> Many, I mean, hell, Giuliani lost his law license because of Donald Trump as well. There's more. Uh, the judge, Middlebrooks, had previously granted the request for sanctions filed by one of the defendants in Trump's lawsuit. That order, which demanded sanctions of more than 66,000, has been paused while Trump's attorneys appeal. 
the latest decision, which ordered $937,989 in sanctions stems from a request by several other defendants, including Hillary Clinton. You go girl, get your money. The judge pointed to Trump's pattern of misusing the courts to serve political purposes as he ticked through several other failed Trump's lawsuits Trump has brought in recent years. Frivolous lawsuits should not be used as a vehicle for fundraising or fodder for rallies or social media, Middlebrooks wrote. This judge is hip to the game. So what is Trump really doing with these lawsuits? They filed these lawsuits and then they sent emails out saying, hey, we're suing Hillary Clinton. But in order for us to be successful, mm-hmm. we need you to chip in $25 until you're dead every week, right? So they send these emails out and they do fundraise on them. And typically it is a profitable model. Yes, they make money from this. And the judge was well aware. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Joe Biden, the current president said, there's no there there. He's okay, no problem, talking about the classified documents. Uh, a frustrated President Biden said Thursday, there is no there there responding to persistent questions about the classified documents found at his home and former office. Biden spoke to reporters during a tour of storm damage. This is on the California coast, all right? Uh, the full statement, here it is. Look, as we found, uh- we found a handful of documents were failed, uh, were filed in the wrong place. We immediately turned them over to the archives and the Justice Department. We're fully cooperating, looking forward to getting this resolved quickly. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. Thank you. All right, let me give you a recap here. Uh, so the White House, uh, they came out and said, hey, listen. We got to disclose. And so they disclosed that Biden attorneys found classified documents and official records on four occasions in recent months. On November 2nd at the offices of the Penn Biden Center in Washington. And then in follow up searches on December 20th in the garage of the president's home in Delaware. And on January 11th and 12th in the president's home library. I mean, damn. The two cases are different, but all right. Uh, The discovery complicates. A federal probe into former President Donald Trump, who the Justice Department says took hundreds of records marked classified with him upon leaving the White House in early 2021 and resisted months of requests to return them to the government. Now, see, this is when Democrats not being creative, not utilizing a strategic approach. This is not a bad thing for you all. This is a great thing for you all. Let me explain why. If They're saying that Biden needs to be investigated, which by the way, the GOP is. They are already calling for investigations through the GOP led house. Okay, fine, have at it, he should be investigated. I agree, he was in receipt of classified information and he was not the president at the time. He was a former vice president at the time. Investigation should go forward. So. If they conclude, I'm talking about conservatives, that an investigation is warranted into President Joe Biden, they must conclude that an investigation is warranted into Donald Trump. If they conclude that Joe Biden has been compromised because 
of a handful of classified documents found at multiple locations. They must conclude that Donald Trump can never be near the White House again. If they conclude that the federal government was not weaponized against Biden when they decided to investigate him, they must conclude that the federal government was not weaponized against Trump when they found classified information on his property. You see, it's all about contextualization of the facts. The reality is Biden, Trump, and other former presidents, they have taken documents that are classified home. Sometimes an aide did it, sometimes they did it. Sometimes it was intentional, sometimes it was non-intentional. The reality is when it was found or discovered, they did not fight the federal government and hold on to it. That's what Trump did. Remember, Trump would have never been charged with any of this or investigated. I think the charges are coming. He never would have been investigated for any of this if he simply would have turned over the damn documents when they told him to. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened with Biden? Well, Biden turned over the damn documents when he found them. As a matter of fact, who snitched on Biden? His own attorneys. His own attorneys snitched on him, told on him. I mean, they called the White House, the Department of Justice, the archives, and then they called Joe Biden. What would have happened if Trump's lawyers would have found it without the fanfare and the media? What would have happened? You think they would have called these other entities or Trump first? Do you think they would have hit it? There you go. All right, thoughts here. All right, I'll start with the latter, then I'll move to the former. Um, I remember seeing uh, Representative James Comer being asked about this on CNN, and he had uh, very strong things to say about investigating the current president. Then, when it turned to the receipts of him in video form, saying that uh, you know a president should never be investigated when he was talking about Trump, he had no answer whatsoever. So it is hypocritical. Now. And good breakdown as well. Now to the former, um, Donald Trump sues everybody. Like this is so par for the course that he would sue somebody. And then because he sued, have to pay damages to the person he sued. Like he thinks the court system is for him. He refuses to pay people and then says, what are you gonna do, sue me? I have the best lawyers in the world. And then if someone gets mad at him, like, Rosie O'Donnell or the creator of Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, um, whose name I believe is Marv or Merv Griffin, uh, who unfortunately passed away a few years ago. He will sue anybody at all times. And the biggest L that I could remember is covering you know, the intersection of politics and sports was when he decided to go not into the NFL, but the United States Football League. And what he decided to do was say, hey, you know what would would be great? We're gonna go with this rival league when he owned the New Jersey Generals and say, you know what? We need to go to fall, we can't be a spring league anymore. So what he did, he then competed with the National Football League. The, The league went down the tubes, right? So what they did was let's sue the NFL to say they're a monopoly. In order to do that, Trump then had to testify, showed his ass in court, He alleged that it cost the league $1.34 billion. Instead, the jury ruled and the judge agreed that they had a case, but it was not this case. So instead of $1.3 to $1.6 billion, they gave the United States Football League led by Donald Trump $1. And because it was an antitrust case, they gave them $3 because it's tripled. 
He will sue wow. anybody at any time, and most of the time, he'll show his ass and lose. Yeah, big ups. All right, I think we've lost uh, Dr. Richie. We'll get the feed going. We're gonna take a quick break. We will be right back on Indisputable. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back. Had a little tech issue. Hopefully it is resolved. All right, a school secretary was so racist, she had to text for racism about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Let's put her picture up for a mass here. Uh, she decided to engage in racism with the wrong person. A white secretary at a high school in Louisiana has been forced to abruptly quit her job after making racist comments about Martin Luther King Jr. Day in a text conversation with a colleague. You're looking at her, all right? She's a junior high school secretary. New Newland Fontana allegedly sent a series of text messages to someone. She referred to as coach, discussing the day off, right? Uh, here's the text in question. N word day, LOL, Mark Luther King. Mark? Yeah, Mark, that's what she called him, Mark <laughs> Luther King, N word day. Huh, say what, where they come from? That's what the coach says, right? Remind your play Sunday. Uh, your plays, not players, remind your plays Sunday, where, not we're, where off Monday for Mark Luther King Day Monday. Players, I meant, you know, them kids don't listen to announcements. Have a good weekend, coach. Very sorry, coach. I didn't mean to send that first text to you. Please forgive me. Mm, the fallout after the text were revealed. Her apology was certainly too late. As the screenshot of her message was blasted all over Facebook. As a result, Fontana faced a gruesome amount of backlash from both parents and community members. As a result, <coughs> according to the Monroe News Star, the superintendent Don Coker confirmed Ms. Fontana is no longer an employee of the school. The high school principal said they do not condone any form of racism in their schools and community. I highlight this story because see, this is the way you do it. All right, first of all, a person with that kind of racist sentiment should not work around children anyway. Yep. And I would argue not work in any professional environment where public trust is needed. You gotta think, Dr. King being a peaceful uh, practitioner. Mark. Come on, well, I'm sorry, Mark Luther, that's Mark right. Luther Mark Luther King. Right, the man is peaceful and he gave you a day off. If you can't appreciate a black man that gave you a day off, who can you appreciate? So she decides to say, oh, it's N-word day. N-word day, is that something y'all say? Is that another coach there? Is that another coach where you talk like this too? So it happened the right way as far as response. The colleague that received it, the colleague did not brush it under the rug. She was immediately reported and then immediately gone. And then the school immediately told us she was gone, real simple. There's nothing complex about that. All right, Rick, thoughts? Sure, so um, first off, I, I love the uh, boxer and civil rights hero, uh, Manny Ali. Um, I think his uh, compatriot and comrade, uh, Martin X was also a really good guy in the civil rights movement. <laughs> Martin X. I mean, how do you, like, I understand the racism, but like, <laughs> Mark King? <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, like, look, we got to laugh from crying here. All right. Um, let me uh, let me go over this. I've seen conflicting reports here, so I think it is important. I do agree that everybody handled this the right way, except if this is true, the school district, because if she resigned instead of getting laid off, she would still get taxpayer funded benefits. So. Like I think we're like 90% there, there is a smidge that feels a little bit off. You know, I saw that too, cuz there's one report that says she quit, abruptly quit, and then another report says that she was fired. As a matter of fact, the one of the reports quoting a local principal said that she mm -hmm. was fired. So we'll figure that part out, but I think you're right. If she was allowed to quit and retain benefits, that's a no-no. Right, of course, hypothetically, look, if someone were to do this, Okay, and even if this was in your backyard or miles away, it's unacceptable and they should not be getting taxpayer funded benefits if they were to do something like this. It's located in Monroe, Louisiana, and I also second what the doc said. No matter what profession you are in, if you use this sort of language, obviously it's egregious that it's with middle schoolers because these are supposed to be the leaders. Um, that are leading tomorrow's leaders. Uh, however, completely inexcusable. Uh, this was the right way to go about it. And most importantly, the coach doing this is also incredibly important. Because in order for that to happen, he doesn't sweep it under the rug or she. Uh, unlike many others may have potentially done. All right, we're gonna take one more break. Uh, we will be right back with more Indisputable, stay tuned. Retreat, okay. Got a big mouth. Racist, disgusting male Karen there. Retreat. And to me, AB, this male Karen who has done this clearly, I don't need to, and you can give the legal disclaimer, but I don't really need to know more. I know he's done this before, he's done it repeatedly. Okay, that is someone who has done this repeatedly and attacked people. And you know what they say, you be careful now because you might get the wrong one. Or in this case, I think the right one. 
I think you got the right one. And I saw that this male Karen had fear, worry, confusion. It was confusion on his face. Cuz he thought he was messing with a softie. But anytime somebody <laughs> put their chest out and hit you with one of these, mm-hmm. oh, they from here. <laughs> and they would everything you with. So don't play yourself. But it's the audacity for me. See, he didn't think, oh boy, was gonna try him like that. I, I don't advocate for violence. I really don't. But sometimes, what they say, you spoil the rod, you spoil the child. Mm. And you brought, I, you brought it to him, Karen. Well, okay. You, you brought it. And you should have been ready for the smoke, cuz that's what he was ready for, period. Oh, get real hot up in there. I just think it's, uh, this happened in uh, El Monte, California. Mm-hmm. Um, and the part where the male Karen says, you know, I fought for, what are you talking about? I fought for this country. So that gives you the right to stereotype someone. He stereotyped them not just, you know, based on race, but he stereotyped them and said, you know what? These are people who are not going to fight back and I can push them around. And as you alluded to in our last segment, these are people who you think you're superior to. And that therefore their feelings, they're not human, they don't matter. I I think we have to be specific when people say they fought for this country because mm. anyone who was really like in the military and actually fought for this country will tell you that then when they're on the battlefield, they don't care what color, what race, what gender, what you used to be, what you are today, what you could have been. They don't care. All they know is that we are on one accord so that we can survive and do what we need to do. So we need to be real specific. Like, well, you fought for this country, how? Like, was you at January 6th fought for this country? Yeah. Or (laughs) were you actually in the military and did, you know, was in the service and did what you needed to do? And then if this is what is being produced from people that fought for this country, to stop fighting. Stop fighting for us. Because we're clearly not on the same accord. We're good. We're straight. Right. It definitely looks like he could have been one of the ones with the feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk. I don't know if he was there. So maybe you want to go ahead and give another legal discussion. Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly. But, But. Same shoe size, okay? I'm gonna read a few comments and then I will kick it to one of our iconic bullpen segments. We will have this remedy as we come back Monday. All right, Cena Huggable says the orange clown clan has to pay up. Minnie Williams, that spit was attempted murder. She should have at least been tased. See Michael Henson, thank you, see Michael. I wonder if the airport carrier's black eye is a result of the recall from the fire extinguisher. Moon Dragon, member of for seven months. Happy moon anniversary, Doc. You continue to be my hero. Well, iron sharp as iron, all right? Well, all superheroes, actually. Swan Zeta Allen, welcome to Double Doser. All right, enjoy the bullpen. Let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. Yeah, he's back. We have Mr. Rick Green, founder of PatriotAcademy.com. He's a former Texas state representative, national speaker, author, and actually a pretty damn good radio host. Rick, <laughs> good to have you on, Representative. How are you? Hey, Dr. Richie, great to be back with you. All Appreciate right, man. So we're gonna talk about teachers having guns or arming 
teachers in the school. And also maybe the backdrop of the Supreme Court's ruling as it relates to guns in New York. I don't want to presume what you believe about that topic or those topics. So if you would give us a sentiment and sir, I would then opine. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, you know. Of course, I certainly agree with the Bruin decision, as you probably might guess. I, I think uh, Clarence Thomas laid it out incredibly well: the the history of the Second Amendment, why it's so important, why individuals need the right to keep and bear arms, why the most important uh, way to resist sudden violence and stop these uh, the carnage of these mass murder events or any other uh, violence like that is uh, for proximity to have someone that is a a good person with a gun to be able to stop that bad person with a gun. And I, and I think that was the whole point of the Bruin case was saying you don't just have a right to have a gun in your home. Uh, Second Amendment guarantees your right to keep and bear arms. You want to make sure you have that weapon with you when unfortunately the carnage begins and you can stop that carnage just like what happened in Indiana just a few days ago. Thankfully that uh, young 22 year old had his had his handgun with him. Uh, it obviously was more than what uh, a lot of folks want to limit in magazine capacities. And because of that, he was able to stop the threat in 15 seconds and save maybe 100 lives. I mean, this uh, this lunatic had, uh, you know, the, obviously the will and the desire and the ability to kill a lot of people that day in that mall. Thankfully, an armed citizen was there to stop that threat. Okay, and let me get you on record for what you believe about teachers being armed in schools. Yeah, I don't think we should require it of every teacher, but I think we should absolutely allow for a teacher that's willing to get the training. I'm a big proponent of training, as you as you know. I don't think you just hand guns out to everybody and say good luck. Yeah. I think training is vitally important, and so I think a, a teacher or a custodian or a, a principal or any other uh, someone working in the cafeteria, any adult that's willing to get the training uh, should be able to carry. And, and and if that was allowed, you would have more people on campus armed in proximity when something like Uvalde happens inside the classroom. Uh, ready to stop that threat immediately. When you do that, you save lives. When you have a gun-free zone, it it means people are going to lose their lives. That, that's just okay. the, the evidence we've seen. All right, so let me first talk about one of the dynamics you brought up in reference to a 22-year-old who was in lawful carry um, of a firearm was able to stop uh, an additional murder. In my opinion, okay, I agree with you on that. Uh, but here's the thing: we're talking about policy. Right, there's always going to be a nuance to policy conversation. For example, you know, there are a certain amount of people every year they die because they wore a seatbelt, okay, because the seatbelt was on them. However, the policy is that the vast majority of individuals who wear a seatbelt will have their lives saved. And just because a few people will die, unfortunately, every year because they had a seatbelt on and it created a complication during the accident. That does not negate the good policy sense of enforcing seatbelt laws because seatbelts do save way more people under that policy. So here's the point I want to make to you. I would prefer to have a societal construct where we do not have a culture that's gun heavy. The fact that we have so much access to guns and artillery creates a problematic dynamic where individuals like you say, well, the only way to solve it is with more guns. Well, that's the problem in the first case, that's your policy issue. And let me go to the ruling of the United States Supreme Court in the New York case. Clarence Thomas Thomas writes that this was a dynamic of self-defense. He put it in his summary. And I was really surprised by this from Justice Thomas. So let me ask you this question before I continue. Do you believe that Bearing arms is a requirement 
based on a self-defense protocol in America. Do you believe that? Uh, absolutely, yes. And, and okay. I, I think our biggest disagreement would be on your premise that it's the presence of guns that causes people to commit crime. It's the heart of man that, that causes people to commit crime. It's the depravity of man or mental illness or all of those, okay. well, well, all why of those not, factors. Why not allow it to be legal to have grenades then? I think it should be legal to have grenades. Oh, I, you say, I, okay. I, I, I want to have a, a grenade, legal. but that, but, you, but, but yes, wait, you wait said. A minute, wait a minute, you said something the, interesting here. Maybe you got some ideology. Yeah, right. yeah, it's the nuance of the policy, so as you said. You, that's Go ahead, you, sorry. You believe that it's okay for people to have artillery, that's military grade weapon artillery, because artillery doesn't really impact societal elements. It's just the heart of man, right? I don't just believe that, that that was the original intent of the Constitution. Which well, let's talk about the original intent of the Constitution. Let's, I'm glad you brought me back to that. Yeah. Uh, so Justice Thomas writes that this is basically constitutional. Uh, and what New York did was unconstitutional because of the need of self-defense that's constitutional, constitutionally determined. Sir, can you do me one favor? Can you find in the Constitution for me, where does it say that bearing arms is for self-defense? Uh, right there in the Second Amendment, that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, and and that's necessary for the security of a free state. So you need a well-regulated but militia necessary. No, no, no. For it the security says of a free for state. a well-regulated militia. So what I'm asking you to do is yep. very simple. Mm -hmm. Can you find in the Constitution for me? Maybe I'm ignorant of it. Can you show me where it says that your right to bear arms is an illumination? of your right of self-defense, individual yes. defense. Can you find that for me in the Constitution? Yes, 100%. Yes, so as, as you know, Dr. Ritchie, as yeah. Jefferson said, on any question of construction in terms of the Constitution, trying to figure out what does it say and mean, carry yourself back to the time, Jefferson said, to when it was actually put into the Constitution and listen to the people that put it in the Constitution as they explain what it what it was intended to do and, and what it meant. And so. All of the founding fathers, I can show you, I've got a whole book of quotes from the founding fathers saying that that's exactly what the second amendment was about. Resistance to sudden violence, they called it the first law of nature, the right of self-defense. And it was something you could not give up to society, even if you would, because you wanna protect no, your family. I wanna that, protect that, my family and having okay. that ability to have that arm was essential. And so that's why they put it in the second amendment the way that's, that they That's did. really interesting because James Madison, who adopted the language from Virginia, by the way, James Madison and other constitutional framers said that they wanted to stop the creation of a national army. Are you not aware of that? Well, that doesn't have anything to do with this individual right to keep and bear arms. Okay. The right to keep but, and bear arms the, was the not just The constitution never said it was an individual right based on self-defense. My point to you is- No, but it does. Not, it, we, it absolutely no, it doesn't say self-defense. That, that's why it says you, you, you have to read the text of the constitution and read the Words of the people that put it into the Constitution. Wait a minute, so dear brother, you're talking what about what part of the right of the people? Now, what now, part of the right of the people that, confuses you? Okay, who is are that the, in the Constitution? Hold on, wait a minute, sir. Are you telling me that you are using what's called secondary documents in order to interpret the primary document of the U.S. Constitution? Is that now, what you're saying? I'm, I'm, I'm saying that you're using. The intent of the people that wrote those words, mm -hmm. you have to know what they meant by that. And the only way to do that is to read their writings, read their debates. What did they say at the time that they adopted the amendment? If it wasn't an individual right to keep of arms, why would they say the right of the people? And then mm -hmm. as you fast forward throughout history, I know I know sometimes you accuse us us conservatives. Well, wait a minute, being before, so before you happy. go there, I'm gonna let you make that point. Okay. I promise. Okay. All right. Who are the people they're referring to? Every every citizen in the nation. No, sir. Once every again, citizen in the nation, sir, and specifically sir, at that time. Once again, you said, sir, on my show just now, 
You have to go back to the original intent of the authors based on what they said they meant during that time. That's right. You make a point. You said they say this is for the protection of the people. Who were the people they were referring to? Every man that could fire a rifle. Every man no, that sir. could, could grab that musket that, off the mantle they and meant march white out and men, defend the sir. community. They meant white men only because it was illegal for women to bear arms. It was illegal for black folks to bear arms. It was illegal. Not, not for everybody a free, else. Not a free black in the north, but that's the now. Okay, here's where sir. you have to, sir. You have to absolutely look the at the whole history, Doctor Ritchie. Go Why ahead, do you sir. think people like me that are conservative Republicans are, are so passionate about this right? Because mm -hmm. if you go back to the 1860s, it was the Republicans fighting the racist Democrats and the KKK in the South and defending against lynchings. That's why the right of the people to keep and bear arms was so important. If you had a firearm to defend yourself in the South, white or black, if you were a Republican, you could prevent yourself from being lynched. 4,712 lynchings, 25% of them were white. Something so we I want you to much. understand this. But I those am people not. had to have the right to keep and bear arms. Okay, That's why we're brother. so passionate about this, because Republicans have been fighting the racist Democrats for almost oh well, well over a century and a half now. Okay, so now you're gaslighting, but I got plenty of artillery for you, verbally speaking. Those are just facts. Hold on, brother. I'm actually a black person. I don't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> so there is no coincidence that virtually 100% of known white supremacists and members of the KKK subscribe to the Republican Party. No, no, Democrat point. Party. You're, oh, you're exactly. Look at the congressional sir. record. Sir, the KKK. Sir, I'm, was I'm going to ask the Democrat you, Party. You know I'm going this. To ask you to be respectful of my rebuttal to your commentary. Okay, but All do right? you know that history virtually, of the KKK? Sir, of course I know that history of the KKK, and I don't you give know a they damn, were Democrats. sir. I am a black man in America. I don't give a damn what party affiliation racist ass white people used to have. I don't, because all of matter. them, sir, all of them were racist as hell on the spectrum, all of them. And I can make an argument today that all of them are still racist on the spectrum. But my point to you is, it is no coincidence that today, where we're living at right now in America, that virtually 100% of all known white nationalists and members of the KKK are in fact subscribers to the Republican Party and the I'm conservative movement. But let me go back okay, to my okay, original wait, 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 point. Wait, I gotta respond sir, to just two quick you things will, on that. You'll, you'll respond, I'm okay. trying to get back to the original okay. point. All right. The original point was when the framers of the constitution referred to we the people, they were not referring to the diversity of America. They were not referring even to the context of America at that time. They did not include women. They did not include people of color. They did not even include white men who did not own property. In order to participate in democracy during the framing of the constitution and beyond in that short frame of time, you had to be a white male that owned property. So this was not a democracy rooted in some kind of holy doctrine that we have come to adopt as true and legendary today. These individuals created a document based on their own bias and based on their own prejudice and based on their own beliefs. They were trying to create an empire that they could rule and run and reign over. So when you tell me that this was written in a way to suggest that they meant for all people in America, that's contrary to their own writings and that's contrary to the interpretation that they used during the era. So sir, tell me where I'm wrong when I say when they wrote we the people, they did not have me in mind. Well, I don't I don't disagree with you that there were differences in terms of what applied to whom back then, but just you you don't seem to care about the history on who was what or who did what. If you don't if you don't care about about who were the racists 
uh, 100 years ago or even 50 no, years I, ago. I don't care what party they belong to. Who was holding white-only primaries? It was Democrats, not Republicans. So sir, if that doesn't matter you're to you, on that, then why should it matter to you? My point to you is this whole um, separation because of parties. My point is I don't care what party they belong to. Okay. If they're racist, they're racist. That's Agreed. Uh, agree. Agreed. But I have to respond okay. to your spectrum comment Go because ahead. how can you possibly say that white Republicans that were willing to die in the South to expand the rights of the Constitution to all Americans, to make sure that we did become a more perfect union? How can you say that they were racist? If they were willing to be lynched yeah. in order, these were whites. 25% uh, of the lynchings were whites. Are you saying those are racist? That they no, were willing to, to die? Respond. Allow me to respond. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about who the individuals were that actually did fight for, let's say, the freedom movements of the 60s, um, who were on those freedom rides with individuals like uh, Congressman John Lewis, or, or those people who beat uh, the late Congressman John Lewis on the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Yeah, uh, it is very clearly defined, not simply in a political construct, but in a social, uh, even Christian movement. That it was Christian evangelicals who stood, white Christian evangelicals who stood against Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. They subscribed and, to and a conservative ideology. Say that yeah. again. And some that stood with him too, right? I mean, it, oh, sir, sir, that's, very, why, that's very what his letter few. from the Birmingham jail was so good at. Very. It called out the white pastors that were not standing with sir, him. And I, I think he was the right. The reason why that was newsworthy is because it was rare. The vast majority Agreed. of Christian evangelicals subscribed to In a the Republican South. ideology and they stood against freedom movements for black people. But we I was talking about the 1860s, of, you're going back to the 1960s. Yeah, well, I'm going back to the reality of, of the complexity that yeah. revolves around racism in America. Okay. No, good point, Party, but I was trying to show why the second amendment was important and, and, and important to all I'm Americans. I'm not saying it's not important, I, I'm it saying it's problematic. And the reason why I say it's problematic is because when the second amendment was written, one, it wasn't written for the level of artillery that we have. It wasn't written for the people because they did not have me in mind or women in mind. They didn't even have uh, poor white people in mind. Uh, but it covers and you it's now. problematic. I mean, what about right now? What's your problem okay, with on, the Second Amendment me, right allow now? Me, allow me to finish. Okay, sorry. And when the Second Amendment was written, remember, the most complex piece of uh, weaponry uh, was basically a single shot. Uh, and hopefully you can reload it quickly. And some of them even had a knife at the end of it, all right? So it was written in that context, okay? So we're trying to take uh, this very antiquated uh, Second Amendment dynamic, apply it to individual standards when it wasn't written for that because they did not have all individuals in mind. They had certain individuals in mind, but they did not have all individuals in mind. And what you wanna do is put it into a modern context without revamping, reshaping, refurbishing whatsoever. It doesn't make sense. Because you have just admitted it was not written for me. But see, here's the here's the difference in our thinking on this. Okay, it, it, is is that these these things were written in the Constitution were written based on principles mm, that principles. could then apply to wow. everyone. So it's the same with the right to vote, right? Should okay. we we just disparage the right to vote because we expanded it to women and minorities? That the majority then expanded it to. Women and minorities? No, we say okay. They did the best they could at that time but in remember, the whole there's an world. This was the situation of the whole world, not just America. It's this in the, the Constitution, sir. On the whole planet, it's expanded so, in the Constitution. So let me ask you this question: we Aren't you glad it was voting. expanded to now, where you can carry a firearm and defend yourself, like yes, I sir, can, all of us? Sir, th th this is a simple question. Yeah, we have voting rights expanded through constitutional amendments. Okay, we have the right of mobility expanded through constitutional amendments. You have just admitted on my show that the second amendment was not written for everyone. 
Where is the expansion of everybody's right yeah. to bear arms in the Constitution? Great, is that is a fantastic question, 14th Amendment. The 14th Amendment makes sure that your right to keep and bear arms, no matter where you live in the United States, is guaranteed by the Second Amendment. Prior to the 14th Amendment, Come the on, Second sir. Amendment only applied to the federal government and states could infringe on your right to keep and bear arms based on race, based on whatever they wanted pretty much. And after the 14th Amendment, it made sure that all of us could have that. That's exactly what the McDonald case, when Thomas wrote the McDonald case, his concurring opinion in that took me to school, man. I mean, I learned so much in that 50 page opinion about the history of the 14th Amendment and applying the Second Amendment to all Americans everywhere. So that that's the answer to your question. You know, that's the Equal Protection Clause, which is really interesting because the 14th Amendment Section 3 it's the same amendment that says if you have involved yourself in an insurrection against the United States government, you can no longer seek an office of public trust again. So since you are in fact a 14th Amendment advocate, do you agree with the 14th Amendment section three that if you have involved yourself in an insurrection against the United States government, you are no longer allowed to seek public office in the United States of America? Well, of course, as you know well, that applied specifically to the Confederacy and no, people sir. actually it were involved in an insurrection. No, sir. But even it was if written the- for it was written for the Confederates. But once again, right. did you not say based on principle, it applies to yeah. anybody that comes under that directive? So, sir, you're once right. Again, you're right. Do, I so know I'm right. Then that was involved in it. 14th Amendment, Section 3. You mm-hmm. with me on this one now, right? As long as we can clarify here, we're talking about someone that's actually involved in an insurrection, perhaps yes. trying to burn federal court buildings in Seattle or in other places across the no, country, that's, or that, perhaps that's, trying to actually take over the government, which didn't happen on January 6th. Well, they but tried if to. it was to happen, if there was an actual well, they tried to. insurrection. It was called an insurrection, January 6th, they tried to do it. They tried to overthrow who's, who's democracy. Who's been convicted of insurrection? Can, name, name one person actually, actually, been charged. Multiple people, multiple even people been been charged. charged. Not sir, one person has even sir, been charged with an insurrection. sir. They have been charged with seditious conspiracy to overthrow the government, which is once again, statutorily, that's an insurrection. You don't have an insurrection statute on the federal books. So you so know let, good let's, and talk damn specifics. Well. let's talk specifics on insurrection and sedition, okay? How is having a, and, and I'm not defending the people that broke into the Capitol. Oh, I mean, sure anybody you that are. broke something and walked on broken glass and all those things, they deserve to be prosecuted. They should they should have due process. They should not be in solitary confinement for a year. We're treating them worse than we treat Gitmo detainees. Oh, it's a, it's, a, it's an atrocity okay. to the country. But if you were rallying, if you were at the, at the you know, singing hymns and, and right. saying, I want Congress to do its job under the 12th Amendment and actually look at these electors, there's nothing sedition about that. Well, that's not what they did. I have 30 seconds left, sir, before right. the end of this show and the beginning of the next one. That is not what they did. They did not go down there and sing Kumbaya. They actually infiltrated the government. They were looking for Mike Pence. They were looking for Nancy Pelosi. They have gone on record and said they were attempting to stop the constitutionally mandated process of certifying the electoral college would would have created a constitutionally undefined scenario. They have said on record, this is what we tried to do. Who is they? They were simply simply unsuccessful. But who Uh, is they? Many of them, sir, from the Proud Boys to the Oath Keepers. What are you talking about who who they are? Nobody in Oath Keepers has admitted to what you just said. Are there? And there's been zero evidence that that they did that. Their aim was to stop now, the You had a couple of, of crazy people that might have said oh, these so kind of things that, that had no people. means to do All that. Right. 
Always good, brother. I got to go to the hey, next show. Brother. I hope I hope Always you keep your right to bear arms, and I hope you do keep and bear arms, and we're all able to defend ourselves against mass murders. That's how you stop the carnage. All right, we'll talk about the school teacher thing next time. We didn't get to it. I got a whole <laughs> lot for you there too. Enjoyed all it, right. Dr. Richie. God bless all right, you, man. man. All right, God bless you, brother.